0: By now, you have probably definitely seen TikToker and now food influencer Emily Mariko's microwaved salmon and rice bowl on the internet. She takes out the salmon, she puts it in the bowl, she puts the rice on top, she makes it look nice, she adds a little ice cube, she covers it with the parchment, I could go on and on. Well, about a week before that recipe went completely viral, we decided to do an episode of Food People about viral TikTok recipes. Specifically, we wanted to ask people on staff to cook some famous recipes from the app for an entire day, only the recipes from the app for an entire day, and talk to us about what it was like. So we somehow cajoled two very intrepid Bon Appetit staffers into the challenge. The first, June Kim, who is the head of video for BA and a passionate, but call it amateur, cook. And then our senior food editor, Christina Che, who I would call a very accomplished cook, less knowledgeable TikTok user. Hey, you two. Welcome to the show.
1: Hello. Thanks.
0: Hi. First, before we get into the actual day of cooking, I want to talk about just TikTok, period. So June, talk a little bit about your experience with TikTok and food TikTok in particular.
2: Yeah, definitely. I am a consumer of TikTok. I will say that I'm not like a creator on TikTok. I've tried once and it took four hours. So I gave up. (laughs) But
0: um, did you ever publish it? Or was it just like a draft sitting somewhere?
2: Probably a draft sitting somewhere. I think I tried to like make a spaghetti making TikTok and I was like, this is so much work. (laughs) I cannot do this right now. But I love to watch TikTok and I like that you can kind of fall into different rabbit holes. That's what TikTok is known for. I will say, like, I've recently fallen into B Talk where I've learned so much about oh, yeah. beehives and queen bees and how they're fed royal jelly, which is, you know... That bee lady. Yeah, am I richer having this information? Who knows? What about food talk, though?
1: Wait, is this how people refer to the sub-niches? You just say the topic and then you add talk to the end? Be <laughs> It's It's
0: kind of different. There's, like, it's different for
2: every little niche, but I call it food talk. I think I don't if know. it works, it works. Like, I do think it's bee talk and food talk.
0: The Gen Zers are... Right now are probably just, like, rolling their eyes
2: at this. Truly, truly. Um, Whatever. I'm not playing that I'm any generation <laughs> other than old. <laughs> yeah, same. But, yeah, Food Talk is really fun. I think, obviously, we're really familiar with the ASMR-type content, but... What I really like about it is how real it is when you compare it to, like, Instagram, which is, like, chasing perfection. It's perfectly lit, the perfect amount of pistachio on top of your smoothie bowl. But with TikTok, some of the most viral videos are horribly lit kitchens at nighttime, and, like, the food is just slapped together. And I kind of appreciate that.
0: Yeah. So, Che, tell me about your relationship with TikTok.
1: Okay, so I, I don't have TikTok, I don't anticipate that I will. But also, frankly, like, (laughs) at this point, I feel like you can't escape TikTok, right? Even if you don't have TikTok, you kind of have TikTok because it's on Instagram. People text TikToks all the time to me. So I just need good friends who remember that I refuse to download TikTok and will take the time to text me TikToks separately.
0: Totally. I think that's a very particular feeling toward the app. But I want to dive into the recipes that we asked you both to cook. So the challenge was to cook three recipes from TikTok over the course of the day. You each tackled the same three recipes. And I want to hear both of your perspectives. Let's start with breakfast. So June, why don't you start? Paint the picture for me. You're on West Coast time. You're all out of bed. You probably already have a meeting that you're late to, right? Yes, classic. You're trying to figure out (laughs) how to make breakfast. Yeah, And the recipe we asked you to make was the pesto eggs, popularized by Amy Wilkowski, which is basically
2: frying eggs in pesto. How did it go? I think it went totally fine. I don't know what you did, Che, but I did make the original recipe. So the original recipe is not only pesto eggs, but she serves it on a piece of toast with ricotta, topped with avocado, topped with the pesto eggs, topped with honey, topped with red pepper flakes, which I feel is wild. That is so (laughs) extra. Do you like see my face right now? <laughs> it's like mushy on mushy on mushy, you know? Yeah. I also noticed that there was no seasoning. She didn't salt the eggs. She didn't salt the ricotta or avocado, which to me was kind of a miss. But overall, flavor-wise, okay. Texture-wise, not the biggest fan. So walk us through just
0: the actual pesto egg part. Like, how are you making these?
2: So non-stick skillet over medium heat. I dropped in a tablespoon of pesto, let that melt down, start to get the oil separated. I cracked two eggs in.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> Guys, I had no idea there was like an an original... I'm so sorry. I did this all wrong.
2: No, no. Interpretation. It's like, I did not complete the assignment.
1: Someone on this recording is like mad at me no, right now, no, probably. No. But... In true Cook's fashion, I was just like, oh, pesto eggs. I guess this is what it is.
0: Well, that's why I wanted you both to do this, because I really was curious to see, like, June followed the recipe. Che did not. But I bet you still have some opinions, Che, about this whole concept. So tell me.
1: Yeah, I have some thoughts on this. So I essentially did everything that June did for the first five seconds of her description. I heated a tablespoon of pesto, which I used store-bought pesto. And you know how when you buy it, the oil rises to the top, the sediment floats to the bottom. So I mixed it up first. And then I put that in the skillet, heated it up, added two eggs, and then cooked them I was sort of finding that they took longer than normal to cook. And so what I ended up doing was something I will occasionally do with eggs if I'm just frying them anyway, which is to baste them with some of the pesto oil right at the end. And that was really just like using a spoon, tilting the skillet toward me just slightly so that the oil pools on one side and then spooning some of that over and over the egg whites, just the whites because that's the part that I feel like needs the most help and you don't want it to remain kind of jelly-like. Mm. And then I just ate those plain because that's what I thought we were doing. <laughs> Sorry.
2: You don't need ricotta and avocado and honey on top of pesto eggs, in my opinion. No.
0: Well, that's true. And a lot of the versions I've seen have been pretty straightforward, like throw it on toast or eat it with whatever you would normally eat eggs with. So I'm curious, like, let's ignore the original recipe and just talk about the idea of frying your eggs in pesto. What do we think of this as a concept? Would you do it again? Chun?
2: You know, it's just not going to crisp up your egg as well as just plain olive oil. And I think the whole point of a fried egg is a crispy fried egg. So... I'd almost prefer to just put a pesto or a chili oil on top of the egg after you've gotten it to that lacy edge, you know, really crispy fried egg.
1: Yeah. Che, what about you? Okay, so I 100% agree with this. And the additional point that I would make is, I mean, not to be a downer, but I was not about this from the beginning, even before I had tried it. You were a hater. Kind of. And I will tell you why. It's because You know, the whole point of pesto is to enjoy the fresh, verdant, super vibrant taste of basil, fresh basil, right? That's what it's all about. It's why it's something that's best eaten the day you make it.
0: And we rarely call for cooking it. It's usually mixed into your pasta at the very end. Well,
1: that was what I was going to say is as with any herb that you cook, it's going to lose so much of its potency in the cooking process. And so to me, sizzling out all of that basil in that oil with the eggs for a few minutes just totally negates the entire point of calling for pesto at all. And so mm-hmm. to that end, I feel like from what I can remember, it was a hint of pesto, you know.
2: And it's not even like a time-saving hack. It doesn't matter if you put the pesto in while you cook it. It's not saving you any time. Um. Okay, rank this recipe on a scale of 1 to 10, June. Oh, I have to go first. <laughs> I think I would give it a 5.5 5 out of 10.
0: <laughs> okay.
2: Yeah. It's edible. It was fine. I think I would have made other decisions and tweaks if I were to make it again. But yeah, it was edible and fine to eat.
1: Che, what's your, what's your rating? I'm giving it a two. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ooh. I think this is a crime against pesto. <laughs> On behalf of pesto. And had I made my own pesto, I would have been way more pissed. Then it would have gone into
2: one territory. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's, let's talk about lunch. So
0: what are your feelings going into lunchtime knowing that lunch is the rap hack?
1: Oh, I was so excited. I was so excited about this one.
0: (laughs) She had a real turn of feelings here. Well,
1: primarily it is because I am very excited by tortillas. In fact, the best story about me that ever surfaced from college was this one summer. I was living in this house with seven people and we had a subletter who just stayed for the summer. She was like straight from Ireland. And the first week that she moves in with us, there's barely anyone in the house I come back at like two in the morning, and then I apparently went straight to my bedroom, turned on all the lights. I had a tortilla, like a cold tortilla in each hand, and I was playing music really loudly. And then I guess she comes home right after me, and she walks by my bedroom, and she just sees me sitting up in my bed, asleep, holding tortillas, with the lights on, and music blasting. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: and your love has only
2: continued since then
0: okay how are you feeling about this one june and why don't you talk about what exactly you did with your rap yeah
2: i was excited to try it i feel like there's there's so much hype about this one and again as a viewer of tiktok i've seen this through so many iterations i've seen spam masubi inspired rap hacks where they use nori and rice and spam so i was just excited to try it i've never cooked it because i never had a reason I decided to do kind of a twist on a Cubano or Cuban sandwich. So I did four quadrants, one quadrant Swiss cheese, one quadrant smoked ham, one quadrant sliced pickles, and then another quadrant spicy mustard. Nice.
0: Nice. She's like making her mental
2: nap. (laughs) Well,
1: can I ask which quadrant were you starting from when you were narrating that?
2: Okay, so this is what was so tricky because I did like a practice fold because I wanted to make sure that the meat and the cheese were on the most outer parts of the quadrant. It's kind of bad for people who don't have high spatial intelligence like me. Correct. And I did not. So I planned it out and then I did it and then somehow I folded it wrong. And I was like, no, (laughs) what happened? And so the cheese was on one outer edge tortilla so that worked great but then the other end was the pickle which wasn't ideal as an outer quadrant for me
0: too hot nobody wants a hot pickle
2: yeah and like pickles are wet you know I didn't want it to sog through Mm -hmm. but overall it was pretty good
0: and what kind of tortilla flour
2: yes Che and I were slacking before this challenge of just like we got to buy some mega tortillas. Like oh. We need some, some of those big burrito size. <laughs>
0: yes. I was going to tell you the one time I tried to do this recipe, I was like, oh, I'll just use what I have on hand, which were like fajita size. And it was a total disaster. Everything fell out. And then when you fold them, they come out to be like itty bitty. Right. So how does it taste?
2: I think it tasted good. I think I would have preferred it on a sandwich, but maybe that was just my own mistake in the direction I chose to take it in. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was good. Mm-hmm. I think the key is just making sure it's so crispy on the outside. Mm.
0: Extra fry, like extra long time in the skillet. Mm-hmm. All right. Che, you had super high hopes. How did it go?
1: Well, uh-oh. <laughs> I had some, I, I had some issues. Well, okay. Hang on. So I wish I had stayed with my original concept, which was going to be a Crunch Wrap Supreme inspired wrap pack, right? Love that. Oh, so classic. It was just what I wanted to eat. And I was envisioning, you know, one layer would be kind of like crunchy. Maybe I would do like crunchy tortilla chips. One layer would be like shredded lettuce, tomatoes. One would be like seasoned ground beef and cheese. Mm-hmm. One, I ran out of Quadrants, and two. We were also told later on to not feel shy about thinking outside the box, right? So then I was like, I guess I should do something a little bit more, whatever, unorthodox.
0: No, we just meant like you don't have to watch the video. Follow yeah, the video. We know that change not do that weren't doing
2: anything anyway. from pesto. <laughs>
1: Okay, so here's what I ended up doing. I went a little bit differently from you, June, because I was trying to do something that would have already been conducive to being in a tortilla. Smart. Like, don't stray too far from what's good, you know? So I ended up doing this really bizarre mashup of, I would say, moushu pork and, like, Peking duck. Yes, this looks so good. Which you might recognize. Okay, so here are my quadrants. And I will narrate them starting from my bottom right quadrant, which is actually a riff on this BA recipe that we have on the website called Hot Sausage and Cabbage Stir Fry. Mm -hmm. And it's really good. It's just like sausage that you crumble up and brown, and then you add shiitake mushrooms and thinly sliced cabbage. There's garlic, ginger, soy sauce, rice vinegar. It's really yummy. I make it often.
0: I love that you turned the hack into literally making like three different recipes
1: instead. <laughs> well, it was lunch. <laughs> no, I love it. This is why this is why you're doing this. So, that is my bottom right quadrant. Then directly above that, so top right is hoisin sauce. That was store bought. I had a vision of making it, but then I was like, I know. Then top left quadrant is thinly slivered cucumbers. And finally, bottom left quadrant is thinly sliced scallions in that baton style that you get at, like, the duck houses, you know? Such an overachiever. Okay, so
0: you have a cooked item, a sauce, and then two fresh items. Were you thinking about the order in particular, about like what was going to end up on the inside versus the outside?
1: Well, considering I started the fold with the bottom right quadrant, clearly no, because the two things that ended up on the outside were the cucumbers and yes, the scallions. Yes, this is my issue with the pickles. <laughs> Except I didn't. Do, I don't have like existential crises about these things. I feel like I'm just too chaotic, and I'm just like, it's happening, and then I... It's all ending yeah. up in my mouth. Yeah, and then I do it, and then I'll just be like, okay, I guess I shouldn't have done it that way. <laughs> And then I also griddled it after that, right? So got the two sides of the tortilla crisp. And I guess my thoughts on this would be if I had to do it again, which I think I actually would, I would not go for more than one, if any, fresh vegetable ingredient, Hmm. especially if you're going to heat it. I guess if you're not going to heat it, that's a different story, but... I was actually not too happy with the tortillas that I got. They were just like too papery thin and kind of dry. Mm-hmm. And so it would just have been kind of unpleasant to eat unheated. So I would say like if you're heating it up, generally don't use something that's going to taste weird hot, like hot lettuce. And then if you're going to eat it plain like uncooked, then I feel like you can use whatever. Does that sound right?
0: Yeah. Hard agree. Temperature is a is an issue to consider. All right, so June, how would you rank Rap Supreme? I'm sorry. How would you rate? <laughs> this is becoming a Rap
2: Supreme <laughs> episode. I love it. We're actually just talking about Taco Bell.
0: How would you rate the Rap Hack on a scale of 1 to 10?
2: Okay. I'm going to give two ratings. One for mine because I think that I wrapped it wrong and the pickles were on the outside <laughs> and started dripping out and it wasn't ideal. So I think for my version, I'd give it a 5 out of 10. Okay. Okay five is my edible baseline clearly it's not for Jay. <laughs> and then i think for <sighs> the potential of the wrap hack <sighs> i'm gonna give it a seven because i i do think it's kind of fun and i'm all for like eating things in new ways you know
0: yeah okay chay one to ten
1: okay i would give my personal rendition maybe like i don't know a four It was perfectly edible, but it was just kind of weird. You're a real, really tough
0: critic on yourself, I think. That looked delicious. Yeah,
1: that's a different podcast, different (laughs) show. Um, I think the potential of the recipe, I'm going to say like a 7.5 maybe. Hell yeah. Here's what I like about that recipe that makes it feel genuine to call it a hack. I think that rolling a wrap in the traditional style can actually get kind of dicey
0: messy yeah
1: yeah and so I think there is some ingenuity there with the folding technique because in the end it all stayed together like pretty well I was impressed by that
2: Definitely.
0: And what about the eating experience? Like, I feel like with burritos or wraps, sometimes you just end up with, like, the juices all over your hands and everything is, like, spilling out. Do you feel like this is a cleaner way to eat it?
2: No, I think it's, like, convenient to eat. Like, I could totally see myself making it quickly and taking it out the door with me without issues.
0: Okay, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we get back, we will get some great TikTok creators to follow. And then we're going to hit the most viral recipe of all. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break from the day of TikTok cooking and check in with BA's associate editor, Bettina McAlintal. Bettina has written a lot about internet food trends, including TikTok, since the app first came on the scene. So if you're bored of mac and cheese ramen or Gigi Hadid's vodka pasta and want to shake up your algorithm a little bit, Bettina has got the recs. Hey, Bettina, thanks for joining Food People. Hey, thanks for having me. Tell the listeners
3: about yourself and how you first went down the TikTok rabbit hole. So I am just sort of like a food obsessive. I write about it. I cook a lot. I'm constantly watching food content online. And I think like TikTok creates a lot of space for all types of content where there is a lot of very professional stuff, but there is also this very like amateur stuff that feels very sort of DIY and people are just shooting with their cell phones and it, you know, it takes off. And
0: the numbers behind these videos are really staggering in terms of viewers and people engaging with them. Tens of millions of views for these food videos sometimes. But I'm really excited to hear about who you're excited about on TikTok right now. So give me give me your first recommendation.
3: So one thing I find really exciting about TikTok also is how it sort of broadened who's making food videos. I've noticed that it's really allowed younger cooks to have space for food content. So my first one is probably eat With Chris, and they're a 17 year old creator in Malaysia who posts vegan cooking videos. I like them because they have a very positive and wholesome energy to them. And like, I don't think this is a creator I would have stumbled across on other platforms. So I think this is a good example of how TikTok's algorithm sort of finds the content that you'll like, even if you yourself would not have found it on your own and gone looking for it. I'm gonna make myself sound so old, but I just love seeing people that age
0: cooking with such ambition and enthusiasm. Okay who's next?
3: Okay. So are you familiar with cottagecore? Oh, how could I not be? But please explain it for those who might not be. So a big trend on TikTok is cottagecore, which is sort of this idea of like escaping into this romantic ideal image of rural life. And so one TikTok creator who I really like in this niche is old time hockey, whose videos seem to be set in a cabin in the woods. The narration is really calm and it's quiet. And the setting of this like cabin Feels very kitschy and nostalgic, sort of like you're going on a camping trip as a kid. The food on the account is basically all really simple. So it's stuff like top mac and cheese. And sometimes it's paired with a movie. So in one video, it was like tacos with the 1993 Western tombstone. Okay, great. Let's do one more. So the last account that I really love is Simply Nye, and it's simply with an X. This is a creator who shows off the beautiful meals he makes for his roommate, which I think is sort of an intriguing premise because the roommates I've had have like mostly caused me grief in the kitchen. So there's very mellow music and like ambient cooking sounds and really high quality visuals. And overall, it gives me this feeling of being like transported into this perfect distilled moment. And the food is just very beautiful. He uses stencils to make shapes on plates using cocoa powder, and he like makes lattes with lavender that he smokes himself. Everything is just like in the perfect sunlight, and it just feels curated in a way that I really appreciate.
0: Yeah. So I watched this one after you told me about it a few weeks ago, and I kept finding myself annoyed at the roommate. I wanted to be
3: like, what is the roommate doing for you? I know. I mean, it leaves a lot of questions like, you know, how (laughs) often is this happening? Like, does the roommate like it? Because sometimes (laughs) – sometimes it says that like the roommate doesn't like it. And I'm yeah. like, interesting. <laughs> but I mean, I feel like part of the appeal is also just that you can be the person who's like, I wish my roommate did this for me, you know? Oh, absolutely.
0: Well, thank you so much. I, my algorithm is already way better than it was. I was getting far too many sad dog videos these days. Thank you for having <laughs> me. <laughs> All right. Talk to you soon, Bettina. Okay, great. Dinner time. How are you guys feeling at this point? Like, you've cooked two TikTok recipes with various levels of success. You know you have the uber viral recipe of TikTok on the horizon. Are you, like, fatigued, excited? I didn't know that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Jay had no idea. We're working up
2: to the most viral. (laughs) Yeah. How are you feeling, June? I mean, first of all, it's just nice to have a day where your meals are planned out. Oh, Yeah. In theory. Yeah, in theory. So I really appreciated that. And I think that's pretty consistent throughout all these TikTok recipes and why they go viral is because it just is an easy way to get food on the table. Yeah. So at this point, I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm ready to try the most viral of them all.
0: I think that's such a good point. And like, that's what kept me away from it for so long as I was like, oh, these are just hacks for like college kids with no kitchens. But there is something actually really satisfying about seeing something and being like, that looks delicious and dead simple. Mm-hmm. Okay, Che, how are you feeling coming into feta pasta knowing only what I've
1: texted you about it? Okay, so for this one, I actually did some research into it. I watched this video that June sent me of Kenji cooking through it on his cooking show. And then I also read through most of that blog post from the original Finnish blogger. Wow, you did do homework. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's funny because... Generally speaking, I think when you're fluent in reading recipes, you can kind of tell when something's going to work. And between those two pieces of info I had going into it, I was pretty sure this one was going to be a knockout.
0: Wow. Okay. Um, Before we dive in, June, give us a little bit of background about this recipe. How viral did this recipe
2: go in the States or like on TikTok in your mind? In my mind, this is the most viral recipe that I've ever come across. So many people made it. The New York Times wrote about it. Vogue wrote about it. And it caused actual feta shortages in the US, which I think is so crazy. A spokesperson from Kroger is quoted in the in the article of just how it shifted their sales. So this is a really impactful recipe in that way. Okay. So let's talk about how you both tackled it. June, do you want to go first? Sure. I mean, so Che and I were slacking about this and there are some issues with the heat and temp. So I got a little freaked out because the recipe says to bake it at 400 and then to put it on the broiler setting. And Che I didn't do that. wrote me and said, yeah, I didn't do that either. Cause I was like, I don't want to burn my house down. Sorry, food people, not worth it. <laughs> So I just baked it for 30 minutes at 400. I bought a bunch of cherry tomatoes, a big block of full fat feta cheese, covered it in olive oil, added four cloves of garlic. That's all true to the recipe. I added sliced shallots because I just like an oniony flavor in my pasta and then baked Mm -hmm. it for 30 minutes. Um. No other spices? I had, oh yeah, red pepper flakes was also okay. included. And did
0: you add salt? Because I've seen the original recipe add salt and feta is so salty already that the one time I made it, I was like, this is way too salty.
2: I did not add salt for that reason. Okay. I mean, a whole eight ounce block of feta for two people is so much anyway. So I was like, you know what? I think this recipe's fine. And then I made it, and it does create this sauce. You know, when you pull it out of the oven, it does emulsify well together. I think it was a pretty good recipe. It was a fine recipe. I think it was a little bit overpowering with the feta. If I were to do it again, I would probably add more tomatoes and less feta. To me, it's just too much feta.
0: God, I never thought such a thing would be true, but I
1: I hear you. Well, I was going to ask June... What kind of feta you used? Did you use Greek feta? I did. I wonder, I don't know enough about the different types of feta. So that would primarily be like Bulgarian, French, and Greek would be the most common ones that you would find. I don't know enough about how they cook, but I do know that like, you know, a French feta, for example, will be a lot milder Mm. in flavor than a Greek feta, which is typically just that really sharp, super salty briny, like, think about a Greek salad kind of Greek feta.
0: I will also say that some fetas do not melt the same way. And I've noticed that the higher quality the feta, the more creamy it gets when you cook it versus the most common store-bought versions will often not fall apart at all.
1: Yes, which is a point that Kenji made in his video. He was saying, I think, that you have to use a primarily sheep's milk-based feta because the cow... Milk feta just won't have that melting quality. Okay, so Che, what was your feta pasta method? So what did I do? I guess in full transparency, I did not really measure anything for this recipe. I feel like I understood it conceptually enough that I was just like, okay, I'm going to run with this. So I did add some salt, just a little bit. I think because I was just nervous about the tomatoes. And then I used four big cloves of garlic, sliced in half. I also did not do the broiling method. I just roasted it straight through at 400 for 40 minutes. The other good tip that I think Kenji had for this recipe was to throw some pasta water in there. So yeah, I was really pleasantly surprised at how much the feta just immediately breaks down and becomes super creamy and just it all emulsified really well. I thought it was delicious. Here's what happened. I made this for dinner, for my partner, before I went out to dinner. So...
0: So you had, like, an appetizer portion.
1: Yeah, but I ate kind of, like, a little too much.
0: Because it was good.
1: (laughs) Because I thought it was really good. And I think my only critique of this is that I think there was a little too much oil for me. However... I don't know if that's fair to say because I didn't measure. Well,
0: it's a healthy pour when I see the in the video, the original video. It's a, it's a lot of oil. It's a lot of oil. It's a half
1: a cup, a third of a cup or mm-hmm. something like that. And to June's point, like, I think we both made this for two people. Yeah. And that is, I mean, if you're not careful, you will definitely finish it. And that was the point at which I was like, oh, I feel a little bit sick. Oh, yeah.
2: Agreed.
0: So there's been so many takes and riffs on this recipe. The one that I've actually made and really enjoyed is Deb Perlman's, the blogger of Smitten Kitchen and cookbook author and BA contributor. She did a version that has chickpeas, and it's actually served as a dip. So instead of it being like a main course with a pasta, it's the feta, the tomatoes. You add, I think, two cans of chickpeas, which really fills it out and makes it serve more people. So it's not like a heavy cheesy pasta main, it's just basically party food, which you could serve with pita or even some veggies or bread. And that's kind of the way that
1: I've enjoyed eating this the most.
2: That sounds really good to me. It does. And kind of perfect. You're not eating so much feta. Yeah. I mean, I think in the
1: end... The technique I think is worth talking about here is the slow cooking, almost like comfying of the vegetables, which I bring up because I think you can apply it to so many different kinds of vegetables. Like certainly this was delicious with cherry tomatoes, but you could definitely do it with eggplant. You could do it with summer squash. You could do it with peppers. And I liked the idea, too, of roasting that garlic in there because it's coated in enough oil that it's not going to burn, you know? Mm -hmm. And it just is so delicious. Like, anything with that soft, sweet, roasted mashed garlic is so good. So good.
0: Okay, wait. We got to get
2: to the rankings. June, rank this dish. One to ten. Okay. Again, I'm going to do my execution versus the potential of it because I don't think I added (laughs) enough tomatoes. So I think for my recipe, I would give it a solid 6.5. Like we enjoyed our dinner. And then the potential, like if I were to do it again and add a lot more tomatoes, then I'd say it's a solid dinner. It's a solid like eight for me, I think, because it was so easy to make Yeah, and I would make it again for sure.
0: Cool. I agree. As a template, I give it like a solid eight, Mm 8.5 myself. Che, how about you?
2: i give it an (laughs) 8.5.
1: Hell yeah! Love the decisiveness. I was a little disappointed that I had to go to dinner afterward. (laughs) Okay, and I will say what I liked about this. Like, my partner's not much of a cook. And I was excited because I was like, oh, you can do this. You can 100% do this. So that is a win in my book any day.
0: Okay, so Che, as our senior food editor... Which of these recipes, if any, would you, if adapted, run on Bon Appetit? It's a trick question.
1: Am I going to have to develop this for me? (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. Um, Unequivocally, the feta pasta. Got it. I agree. (laughs) All
0: right, June, as our resident video genius, are these recipes just eye candy or are any of them truly makeable and delicious, and would you recommend to a friend?
2: I would say no shade on pesto eggs. I think Wrap Hack and the Feta Pasta are definitely more than just the eye candy. They're both so easy to do. You can get inventive with them. I think especially for the Wrap Hack, it makes sense. Okay, bonus question for you, Che. Did any of this (laughs) convince you to
0: download
1: TikTok? No. (laughs) (laughs) But you are all welcome to continue texting me. Perfect.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you both so much for joining me. And thank you for taking it on. It was a lot of TikTok cooking in one day. It was
1: fun.
2: Thanks for having us.
0: Thank you to our guests Christina Che and June Kim for being great sports on the show today, and to Bettina Muckalintal for all of the food talk insights. If you want to follow these creators or just check out their recipes, all the links are in the episode's show notes. And while you're online, give Che, June, and Bettina a follow on Instagram. Che is at cche. That's C H A E Y. June Kim is at May to June, as in the months. And Bettina is at Bettina, that's B-U-T-T-I-N-A, on Instagram. And on TikTok, you can find her recipes at Bettina Mac. That's her first name and Mac spelled M-A-K. If you love the show, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps keep us food people in business. And you can follow Bon Appetit on Instagram at Bon Appetit Mag and on Twitter at Bon Appetit. Food People is produced by Bon Appetit in partnership with Pod People. Vishnu Vallabhaneni is our senior producer. Ginny Bloom is our showrunner. Madison Lesby is our production manager. And Morgan Foose and Jessica Jones are our associate producers. This episode was engineered by Trey Booty, and the music is by DJ Newmark. June Kim and I provide editorial direction for the series. Special thanks to Matt Sav, Nico Steele, and Julie Shen. I'm your host, Amanda Shapiro.